0: Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more.
1: When you're starting to build your business and you don't feel like it's consistent in the way you want or it doesn't come in in the way you want, and then you're like, ah, like, I have a cash problem, but like, do I deal with it? Do I avoid it? Do I just hope it comes in next? And it's so different when it's so personal and it's not just like a business you're supporting. It's like you're the business.
0: Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help overworked CPAs go down to 40 hours without giving up revenue. My name is Geraldine Carter. My guest today is Laura Dixon. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks so much
1: for having me. So excited to be here.
0: So for people who haven't heard of you, or aren't familiar with your work, give us a brief who you are, where you are, and what you do.
1: So I used to be a CPA. My background is in public accounting, and then I worked at a Fortune 500 tech company where I was a director uh, before I was 30, and found myself knowing that wasn't the trajectory I necessarily wanted for myself career-wise long-term. And I started my own business. I started a coaching business and I now help women who are obsessive dieters. I help them become naturally thin for life. And I started that business in a one-to-one model and then moved it to a program model. So one-to-many where people would come in and get lifetime access to a program. And now it is a monthly membership model.
0: Awesome! I love it. Lots to dig into here. So, for listeners who are like, "Wait, whoa! How long did that take? A year or ten years? How? When did you start that?"
1: Yeah. So, I started this business. This will be my fourth
0: full year. So, I started it about three
1: years, three and and a, three and a chunk ago, and that also includes two babies in there. Um, so, two sets of maternity leave. In full candidness, I really struggled the first year. I did not make a whole lot of money. So like if we wanna talk about money, I went from about 30,000 in a one-to-one model to about 300,000, and then the following year it was stayed about the same, and then this year I'll do at least double that, if not more, in a member model.
0: Okay, so in your fourth year, you're looking at about 600K.
1: Yes, I might, I will be close to probably, probably about like a 90K month for sure by the end of the year, which would be a million dollar recurring revenue.
0: And of course, listeners want to know, well, top line revenue is great, but talk to me about what really matters, which is what you pay your mortgage with. So um, can you give us a sense of margins or just something high level so we know what sort of comes out at the bottom at the end of the day?
1: Yeah. So this year for me in the member model, it'll be at least 50% in the 90K month.
0: Margins in the 50s. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It'll be about 50% like take home so I look at it in a bunch of different ways. So I used to, I don't know how how your clients typically look at their business. I used to always look at my business in a traditional P&L format. I was in I did a lot of financial reporting both internally and externally for big companies. And so that's always the format I used for myself in my business. But now I do look at it different. I look at it much more like cash basis. And what I look at is just like, what am I taking home? Like after taxes, after if I if you have any like debt pay down, like what am I actually taking home? So that'll be that's what I mean by the 50%.
0: Gotcha. And since we're in that kind of the cash situation versus the P&L, what was your perspective starting out having a CPA And that whole background, when it came to money, did you think I know everything there is to know about money? I totally got this. Or were you like, you got in there and you had all kinds of money drama? Did you get schooled? Or were you like, this is super easy? Why do people think this is so hard? What was it like when you went from, you know, knowing this stuff in theory to having your own business?
1: Yeah, um, very different. And I would even see it in like clients, when I was in public accounting, like the there's a way the CEO looks at money is very different than the way the CFO looks at money a lot of times, and you would see the CEO like they're so focused on cash and recurring revenue, and like it's so different than like a lot of times the CFO and how they're looking at things, and a lot of times they're looking at things for tax purposes. But anyways, so I was very used to not spending a lot of time looking at cash, and like in Public accounting financial statements. The cash flow is by far the statement that has the most material misstatements when they are looked at by the SEC. And so, and you're like, right? But it's like cash. So like, it sh- <laughs> cash should be cash should be the simple thing, right? But it's just like it's a different way of thinking about money and looking about money. So I always thought I was like, listen, t- this is how it sounded in my in my own head. Listen, I've been doing accounting for a while now. I have I have a lot of experience. I'm a really great at my job. This money thing is not going to be a problem. Um, I feel like now, probably three and a half years later, I'm like I actually feel good now about <laughs> about how I think about money. I think I I I'm trying to th- think of the best way to articulate it is. There's a difference between looking at financial statements objectively and preparing them and not having a cash flow mindset versus having your own business and it's your cash. And like really knowing how to be okay with different things like whether or not you use debt, how you pay down debt, how you invest, how you look at how you pay for things. like. It just for me, it was like, oh, so I like knew nothing about money. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing.
0: So good. A cash flow mindset, including like how you basically leverage cash, how you use it as a tool and when it's deeply personal and affects your family and all the rest.
1: Especially in the beginning when you're like, okay, so this business survives on cash. I bring in. And at first, when, at first, when I was like, how do you even do that? Like, I don't even know. And so, right, so you, you try all the things and then you start getting some cash coming in. And Wait, how do you even do what? Like bring the cash in in the beginning. Like when it feels, oh, when you don't have, when you're starting to build your business and you don't feel like it's consistent in the way you want or it doesn't come in in the way you want. And then you're like, ah, like I have a cash problem, but like, do I deal with it? Do I avoid it? Do I just... Hope it comes in next, and it's so different when it's so personal, and it's not just like a business you're supporting.
0: It's like you're the business. Yeah, and the money is somehow not automatic at the beginning. Where's my salary? <laughs> yeah, right. So, what was it like when you made when you brought in thirty thousand dollars in revenue in the first year?
1: Um, excruciating. I don't <laughs> like, terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was. I would say the first couple of years for me were a lot of despair and defeat with like moments and glimmers of hope that I was like, I know I'm going to do this. And So I think part of it was I maybe didn't set myself up for the expectation of like the runway that it takes. And like we had personal money that I used. And so like I was always able to lean on that. And like, thankfully I am married to someone who has a salary, but we, like I did use a lot of my, I used a lot of 401k and savings and like equity that some that we had in our house. Uh, And we still have a lot more and we still have a lot more savings. And so like, I never felt like, if I don't make this work, like I'm not gonna be able to feed my family kind of pressure, but I'm someone who puts a ton of pressure on myself anyways. And my husband, who is a CPA at a firm buying into a partnership this year, we have deviated in our money philosophies. And so it came with a lot of hard conversations. So I would say it was just like, it's almost like money was a way in which I have learned to get my, to know myself in a way I never thought I would.
0: I love this piece about money philosophy and how it asks us, challenges us to get to know ourselves in a way that we never thought we would. I want to pause that for a moment to stay with your trajectory of the years to just get a sense of what it was like to go from 30,000 in one year to 300,000 in the next year because that's, that's not insignificant growth. So how was that and what facilitated that?
1: So that was also terrible. I thought it was going to be better. It was not because I, in my mind, kept thinking, <clears throat> and I spent a lot of money in ads and marketing, and I kept the way that I thought about money wasn't as maybe like fine tuned as it is now, and how I expect it to continue to like become more fine tuned is like really seeing money as like the purpose of money is to make more money. Like when I'm using my money in my business, the purpose of it is to multiply my money in a, however time period I set and in whatever way I decide I want it to multiply. And so I actually in my $300,000 a year, I had a negative bottom line because the time that it took for the marketing to turn into to turn around into cash, like took a while longer. Now, like years later, I'm still seeing a return on that money I spent, but it was just like the the philosophy in which I thought about money was like, but <laughs> this has been maybe a philosophy in a lot of areas of my life is like, but more is, more is better, more is better, more is better. Everything like more is better, more time, more effort, more giving more to my clients, helping more people. And like in like, casting a wider net and like spending more money in ads because I just know it'll come back. It was always like more revenue will be better, like always just like more is better versus like really deciding deliberately like how exactly I wanted that cash to return a profit and in what time period. And like kind of just taking a little bit of the, I don't know how to say it other than like taking a little bit of the like the rush out of it and the drama out of it and just like finding peace with where I am so that all the decisions that I make come from a peaceful place, knowing what I want long term, because I always knew what I wanted long term is I want recurring, consistent revenue in a way that I sell to clients that I love to serve. And so I sell in a way that I love, I serve them in a way I love, I draw in people in a way I love. Because for me, I'm like, I want a business that will truly be an asset that generates money to me in return forever, potentially. And I don't want it to be tied to the number of hours I work, yet I simultaneously want to give my clients the best possible experience they can have.
0: So your second year was in the red, which can be, of course, a challenge as a business owner to be like, hey, wait a minute, this thing is supposed to be making money for me and I just lost money and I worked the entire year to lose money. What's going on? So, then what happened in the third year that your top line revenue um, stayed consistent? What happened with the marketing? Did it catch up? Did it take even longer than expected? What was that third year like?
1: Yeah, I actually dropped in revenue from 300 to like somewhere in the low 200,000s for top line, but then brought that up to about a 10 or 15% bottom line. And so I told myself this year, I'm like, okay, so this spending money to make money only works if you actually make money. And like, it seems so what I, the other thing I just want to share, I don't know if this will be helpful for other people is, and I, my husband sees this sometimes too, I think in his clients where it's like, but I know it's so close. Like, I don't know if you've ever read Think and Grow Rich, but in there he talks about like you're three feet from gold. Like you just know you're so close close yeah and so i was like i know i'm so close and what that meant to me at the time was like just like one more month just a little bit more just like let's just try this and it was actually right b- before i had my third baby i was going on maternity leave and i was using an ads um an ads agency, and I just felt like they weren't quite tracking the data, I felt like something wasn't quite right, they weren't returning the profit in the way I wanted, and I was going on maternity leave, and I'm like, I don't have the bandwidth to figure this out right now, and I don't want to right now, and so I said, you know what, I'm just going to stop all my paid advertising, and I'm just going to really get to understand what works, what doesn't work, I'm going to work on selling, understanding my clients better, and then I'm going to go back to paid advertising. So that's what was kind of accounted for the change in in bottom line.
0: Working on selling and working on understanding your clients better. Why not just focus on being a better coach?
1: Yeah. So for me, those are the same, like understanding my clients better is being a better coach, like understanding like how can I help them faster? How can I help them more efficiently and effectively? And I help very driven type A focused women. And so I'm like, they don't wanna come into whatever way that I'm helping them and like lollygag around. Like they just wanna like come in and get it done. So I'm like, how can I help them in that way that will help them fast track the exact result that I'm delivering to them. Cause I'm like, I know I could charge more if I could half the time that it takes for them to get that result. Cause they just want what, I, what I'm what i selling to them, they want it done like yesterday. And so how can I help them in that way? And so what happened is like, from that kind of peaceful, calm place, I made some changes to my program. I made it more streamlined. I had created a workbook for them so that I could help them with that consistent implementation without it being me being accountable to them. And so it just allowed me to, from a more peaceful place that wasn't like, I got to make money, I got to make money, I got to make money, I got to make money. I was able to make money because I was focused on like really helping them get the exact result they want.
0: Without you being needed. Yeah. What was I want to come back to this piece of without you being needed because sometimes we make ourselves needed in our businesses inadvertently even though we don't want to be needed and we're kind of pissed that we're so needed. We're like, my clients need me all the time. They ask me all these questions, clarifiers all the time. But we set our businesses up to be needed. So that was year 3 and then year 4, which you're in now. And it sounds like somewhere on track between high six figures and early 7 what do you attribute that amount of revenue growth to?
1: Really deciding how I want to serve my clients. Like, how do I want to do it for me in this season and phase of my life? I also, I work during the day and I have a tendency to overwork, but I also have three little kids. And so I know I want to be present for those things. I want to have balance. I love to work. It's super easy for me to work like I, I almost have to like, and now we're done. And so like setting myself up for a business where I'm able to have the flexibility that I want with my family, but also do what I love, help the people that I love to help, make the money that I want to help. Like literally anywhere that my brain was like, well, but you can't have this. I was like, well, let's just find a way to have it. And so like really ask myself, like if I could dream come true, what would my business look like? how would I sell, how would I serve, how would I hire people, and how much money would I make? And so I actually, my program all last year was a a one-payment program, and I switched it to a membership um, only a couple months ago. And so now it's about, it'll be at about uh, somewhere between 35 and 40K this month in recurring revenue. And so I was like, I want this year to get to a place where I'm at, you know, 83,000 is a, mi- a million in recurring revenue. And I want to do it in a way that I enjoy, which for me, in the way that I sell, doesn't mean doing like big live productions. Like some people love to sell that way, but I like to sell the way that I want to sell it.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the mechanics of these transitions of one-to-one to, to, it sounds like, program to membership and the distinctions for listeners who might not be kind of fluid in this language. So help paint a picture for listeners of the difference between your one-to-one coaching and then the conversion to your program. What does that look like with one single price? And how is that different from your membership, which is more monthly- pricing?
1: In the beginning, one-to-one is like we meet. For me, it was we meet every week at the same time for an hour for six months. And I'm going to help you with the mindset to help you have permanent weight loss and live easily at your naturally thin weight. And so that's what we would work on every week. And so I started having, you know, one client at a time, you know, sign up. And what I started to see then was, is I would be meeting with these clients every week is I'd be like, okay, so there's a lot of common themes where I started to feel like we're talking about the same, I'm talking about the same thing, I have a tool, I wanna teach them, I'm getting similar questions. And so I started to feel like, okay, so if everybody just did this and this and this, and I started to be like, okay, so I'm teaching the same tool every single time. And then people would have similar questions about that tool. So one of the tools is like how you decide when, what, and how much to eat. And so I would be like, okay, so we're gonna, I'm gonna teach you this tool and I call it like buckets. And so I, you know, be teach it to the over and over and over again. And I'm like, okay, so it seems pretty similar. I'm teaching the same thing. I get very similar questions. And so I started to be like, okay, I would just record a video and be like, I'm gonna put this in like a portal for all of my one on one clients so that I don't have to spend our time together teaching them the same thing I'm gonna teach everybody. And so I started to pick out like and notice what am I sharing with everyone. And how can I save us all time so that they can consume that whenever works for them and I don't have to tell it to them over and over and over again. And if they have questions or they wanna talk about how it works specifically for them, like we can do that. But what I started to notice as well is people's questions would be the same or have a similar flavor. And so I started to think for myself, how can I do two things in particular? And this is how it helped me transition from one-on-one to a program. Is I was like, when I pick a niche who would make these tools like work so well for them and for me it was it was super clear it's like very driven very type a used to obsessively dieting like using a lot of willpower they're very disciplined type people and so what I found is the more I started to talk to those people and draw in what I would call like my my best clients the less they needed any help from me because like I speak their language, the tools I give to them, their self-starters, Like they want to help themselves. And so I was also like, how can I teach my clients in a way that they become so self-sufficient they genuinely just don't need me? Because that's what I want for them at the end of the day is to actually not need me, to use what I teach, to get where they want to go and to not really need me. And of course, I'm always there for support and I offer live support and I still do, but to make them as self-sufficient as possible. But the only way I was able to do that was by really letting go of wanting to cast a wide net because I was like, well, I, like, I wanna help all the people. I can help anyone reach a naturally thin weight. I know these tools work. I swear I can help anyone. But what happened then is yes, the tools still work, but they weren't as good at using them because I designed them for a very specific person and my very specific person also doesn't want to need me. And so I stopped drawing in people that felt like they needed me. And so I was like, this is beautiful. Like, you don't need me. I don't need you. We just like help each other in a very, I don't know, harmonious, loving, calm, no fires sort of way.
0: I want to touch briefly on your pricing initially when you were coaching one-on-one. Did you ever have the thought? Okay, I want to coach women. I know that I can help them reach their naturally thin for life weight. I'm going to coach them by the hour for 275 bucks until they get there.
1: Yeah, I did. I would for sure like broke it down by hour. And I was like, okay, so this will be this much an hour. At first, I was like, okay, I could probably get my brain up to $100 an hour. And I was like, well, you know, when I had my salary and my bonus, I was getting close to $100 an hour. Um, So I'm like, that should, And I just was very like what's the perfect math equation that makes sense? And then I I thought about that for a while. And I think that's probably maybe how I started. I don't remember exactly, but pretty quickly I learned from people that, had coaching businesses and we're selling services um, or more so like a result-based business. And I was like, okay, so they probably don't care how much it costs per hour. Like they just want to know if they were to go to Target and there was a box that was like, you can be naturally thin, like how much would they pay for it? And so that's how I started to kind of pretty quickly like get my mind on board with like, okay, they genuinely don't care how much it costs per hour. They just want to know how much it's going to be to get them that exact result and how will they know that they will for sure get that result.
0: So how did you go from that to like, okay, if I can put this in a box on a shelf at Target with a price tag on it, how did you arrive at a price that they would be willing to pay for the result? Because surely that amount is squishy and has high variability.
1: Yeah, so I just sort of, I thought about like, what would be a no-brainer? And that to me now is even clearer than it was then. At the time, I mean, I think in the beginning, like when I was very first selling my first couple packages, I mean, it's like it was like super uncomfortable for me because I don't take money, like I've never taken money like lightly. And so when someone's like, I'm going to pay you in the beginning, it was $3,000. I'm going to pay you $3,000. I remember being like, that's like, I'm not messing around. And like, I am very like, thoughtful, and I have a lot of pride in what I deliver to other people. So I was like, like, we gotta get this right. And so that also made me always after every session with one of my clients be like how could what else like what else could I share with them how could we do this better how could we do this more efficiently and just like really really find that way to be able to deliver something that was extraordinary to my clients and so now I'm like well maybe that's what was happening during that thirty thousand dollar year <laughs> it's just just developing that. Then I, when I started to see, like we were saying, the process sort of evolving where I'm like, OK, everyone needs to know these basic things. And so let me deliver them in a way where it's not we're not time bound to each other. And so then I started to see, OK, what could I create in a way that helps all of my ideal clients in a way that I am not it, we're not time bound to each other. And then I could deliver it in a one-to-many way. And then let me separate the things that need to be individualized. Let me separate that out and kind of like tease that out. So my time is really concentrated in the things that I haven't figured out a way yet to deliver in one-to-many. And so I keep asking my brain over and over and over again, is there anything else I'm delivering that I could take out and make it in the one-to-many model versus keeping it into the one-to-one. And so I noticed in my one-to-one practice that once I got to a certain point, I was like, I know I could deliver the vast majority of this in a way where people can consume it and they can ask me questions, they can get coaching, they can get support on other areas. And so that's when I switched it from a one-to-one model to, and it was 6,000 at the time, to then a program model. And that program in the beginning was a one-time payment of $1,000 for life to be in that program. And I knew at the time, I'm like, this is a vast over to all of these people that join. But I wanted it to be that way so that I could get better and better and better at delivering one to many before I would ever increase my
0: price. How did you tease apart talking to clients who are self-sufficient compared to clients who are needy? Because I think a lot of listeners would be like, goodness, if I could attract self-sufficient clients compared to attracting needy clients, that would change my world what was what were the distinctions in your mind? What did you say that was different? How did you show up differently in order to attract self-sufficient types?
1: Well, I, I think in the beginning, I thought a lot about myself because that's how I am. When I go into like any like learning environment or education environment or service environment, like I'm just like, I want it. Whatever I'm there for, I want it. I want it quickly. I want it as painlessly as possible. And I will do all the work to make it happen because I want this badly enough. And knowing that about myself, for a while I was like, I don't, maybe there's just not other people out there like me. And I used to think, well, like, but there aren't enough people out there like me. But then I started to attract a couple clients in the beginning. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one, right? And I'm like, also, I don't really believe that I'm the only one that's like that. And I started to ask myself, but like, if I thought about like my dream come true client, and I didn't think they were just a dream, but they were actually real, like how would, if I imagined I was her, because I serve women, if I imagined I was her, what would she want? And I'm like, okay, so she's busy, she's working a lot, she probably has a family, and she has so many priorities, like she wants this result I'm offering, as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible. And she probably doesn't even wanna come chat with me every week when I was thinking about moving from one-to-one to a group. like She just wants to get it done. And she is like, you want me to do some stuff on my own? Game on, Like I'll do it. And so I asked myself, how can I set her up in a way that will make it as easy as possible for her to have an extraordinary experience and give her everything she needs and if and when i ever see that oh there's something else that she needs to have an extraordinary experience i will deliver that but also like really trusting that that is what people want and there's a ton of them out there and like i think about the the cpa i use and i was thinking about that before we before we talked and i think about it sometimes too and my husband and i are talking and I and even like we we used an attorney to get our wills done and like set up a, a trust and a bunch of stuff. And I remember being like, this process is kind of painful, like. Like, why why can't you just tell me exactly what you need, exactly how you need it? You're telling me like, I sort of kind of need this then and this then. And like, I'm like, just give me the list. Listen, I'll do it. Give me the list. Give me the deadlines. You want to tell me exactly where to go. Just tell me, I swear, because I want it to be done. And I want it, especially like with, with both of those things where I'm like, getting my will set up and my estate and my trust set up and like getting my taxes done. It's not my favorite way to spend my time. So I wanna spend the least amount of time as possible. I just like wanna get it done. And With both of those experiences, I was like, just tell me (laughs) everything you need. Why are you
0: making this painful for me? Yes. Talk to us about your price at 1K for life, which I think might strike fear in the hearts of many. Like you were putting me on the hook for life for what? A thousand dollars? And how that enabled you to scale in this way. And then at what point did you decide, okay, it's time for me to increase my price on this?
1: In the beginning of uh, that 1K price, I knew I just wanted to get better at selling that type of offer. I wanted to make it a no brainer for people. And I did offer them. I mean, they get lifetime support, live support which is me delivering that and it is in a one to many support way um sort of they can also ask individual questions as well in a in a platform we use but i it's also lifetime of the program so i could obviously decide to close the program down anytime but I wanted to really get good at helping people in a one-to-many model. And so I was willing to not charge as much in the beginning to get really good at that and to like really build my confidence and see what needed to be improved. And there were things I'm like, oh, I need to change this and I want to change this just by watching more volume of people use that that program and that process. And for me, it's been something I've always been pretty good at is like I always think about my future. Like I'm always super future focused where I'm like, but I know what I want long term and I want a massive business. And that means getting really good at delivering something extraordinary, being really good at selling it. And so I'm willing to charge less now because I know what I want 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And so once I started to see that, I intellectually knew it was a vast over deliver and I still have people in there, you know, that started several years ago um, and they still come to live calls with me a couple of years later. They paid a thousand dollars. I'm like, that's extraordinary for them that they've able to have that experience. And so then I started to be like, okay, this is a significant, I was like, I could probably charge for the the pace in which people are able to get results, and they were able to get results faster without me than they were with me one-on-one. And the people in my membership now get results in a month that used to take six months for people to get.
0: Wait, why? Tell us about that.
1: (laughs) It blows every time. I mean, it blows my mind in the best way. And now it's becoming like more and more kind of just normal for my own brain. It's. I feel like it's taken, like it's just every time I'm like, this is just extraordinary. The reason is because I spent the time to be like, how can I help my best person in the fastest possible way? And how can I trust that my best person will take me up on that offer? And so it's like, we have this perfect, beautiful match, not always, but for the most part, where I'm like, I'm gonna come in and deliver to you something that's extraordinary, that's designed just for you. Like I'm gonna give 100% and I attract people that also give it 100%. And I've given them all the tools so that I'm like, you can go in and you can do this like with a very limited amount of time from me. And so they will go in and they go through my process and they like fast track results in a way where they're not waiting for me. Like they don't need to wait for our next call. They don't need to wait for me. To deliver something to them, and it's just it happens so quickly for them that they are able to have extraordinary results.
0: How did you go from there to -to month-to-month membership? What was like? What was bubble upping? What was bubble upping inside of you (laughs) that um, that made you think I'm going to change this to a month-to-month instead of a one-time flat fee?
1: Yeah, so I thought about a lot of things. And I did increase it over. It was probably 2 years that it was a one a lifetime access program. It went from 1,000 then it was 2,000, then it was 3,000. And it was at 3,000 for probably over probably a year. And I just kind of sat with it and I was like, really like what do I want for the longevity of my business? Because I did think about, right? Like my business, I get to help more people when I take care of my business in a way that takes care, like I take care of myself, I take care of my clients. And that means also structuring it in a way that al- allows me to do that. So I thought, I thought about a lot of things. I thought about the longevity of the business. I thought about my ideal person as well. And I have a membership that's two ninety seven dollars a month. So it's not like a, you know, a cheap $12 a month membership or, you know, and it's like, it's an investment for people to pay two ninety seven dollars a month. And so one of the reasons I thought about that was I thought, first of all, the people that I attract and the people that have the best success in working with me are so committed to this result that $297 a month for a couple months to be naturally thin for the rest of their life is like game on. They were, they're were they like, I would so pay that. And so what happens is that it filters out people that maybe are like, yeah, sort of, I'd kind of want to try it. I don't want people that kind of want to try stuff in my program necessarily. I want people that want to come in, they want to do the work, they want to get the result, and they want to get out, and then just live the rest of their life. So I really thought about like what my person wants. I also thought about like people, I think in our society, but especially in weight loss are very used to paying monthly. We pay monthly for Netflix. We pay monthly for our mortgage. We pay monthly for gym. People pay monthly for gym memberships or um, food subscriptions or trainers. They pay monthly for Noom, whatever other weight loss they're doing, because I was thinking about my person, they're used to paying monthly. And then I also thought when someone pays monthly, they are... Doing the work monthly. And if not, they're probably going to leave. And so it also incentivizes them to maybe be more focused and constrained because what I want is for people to come into my membership, get exactly what they need. It's designed for them to be there for 90 days or longer if they need, but to come in, get it, and get out. And not, I don't, my intention isn't to have people paying me for 10 years. And so that might be slightly different, but. When I looked at that as well, I'm like, what makes sense for my business profit-wise with how I'm spending money on my ads? What makes sense for my, my clients? And like I, it, the biggest thing was also like, I'm not going to compare my business to anyone else's. Like if I just could create my business exactly in the way that I wanted for my people, like what would that look like?
0: So I'm imagining in the minds of listeners right now, they might be thinking like, that's all well and good because it's just, it's in air quotes, just perhaps only expertise. But I have actual month end close. And I have all these transactions every month. So how could I possibly transition to a one to many model?
1: The first thing is, if you want a one to many model, and you want to work less, you want to make more money, you want more profit, you want to help your clients better that like, if you want that, there's a way to figure it out. And I just think like, it can be so easy. Like I have had to overcome this almost tendency of my brain to be like, it's so, there's step A and there's step B and there's step C and that equals, you know, whatever. Like very math equation-y and trying to figure things out based on past experience or based on how other people did it. But I can't tell you how many... Well, I can tell you it's a handful, probably under 10, but different contractors that I've worked with that don't charge me hourly, but I know they're paying other people hourly and I don't care. Like as a consumer, I think a lot of times it can be easy to get wrapped up in our head of like, but uh, how I run my business needs to be how I charge it to other people. Versus what's the result I want to give to my people? How do I want to structure my business to deliver that? And then I can figure out the pricing mechanism rather than like, but this is what I do. Therefore, it's almost like I have to somehow transparently in exactly what I do. That has to be how I charge it versus structuring it the way you want and then charging it in a way that makes sense for you in a way that's like truly a win-win for both of you. And I'll just give you one more brief example. I use an OBM who I know she has, like she has a team of people that work under her and she trains and they're very process oriented. They do daily tasks for me, they do weekly tasks for me, they do monthly tasks for me. Like they do a lot of tasks that are hour based and she has a team of people that she helps and she manages but she doesn't charge me hourly. She will tell me if I get, like at some point, right? Like there is a cap on the amount of results they're able to deliver to me and we might have to rearrange or there might be like, we'll just charge you more. and. Then we can look at it. I don't, I don't want to know how many hours they're working. I don't really care.
0: You mentioned working less. How has the amount of hours that you work and the effort that you put in and the mental effort and the feel of the lift changed as your business has grown and made more money? Do you, because you make twice as much money, do you work twice as much? What's going on?
1: Um, no, I definitely don't work twice as much. I obsessively worked the first probably two years of my business. I mean, just like weekends and nights. And I mean, I I went from a job where I was working a lot. And so it was a little easy for me to continue to work that much, but that's not why I started my own business. It did not start it to work all the hours, but I was still like doing it. And like, and, and part of me was a little like me, I don't know if it was necessary, but it was just like, in the beginning, I felt like I was just like finding my way. So I was like willing to do the like grit and the grind. And I did come to a point where I was like, if I want to make more money, I just can't work anymore because there aren't really any hours left. And now that I work significantly less hours, I probably have 15 hours a week of like production hours where I would be like I'm like – creating things like i'm creating very tangible results in my business i'm writing emails i'm doing podcasts i'm doing marketing i'm you know giving copy feedback to my ads team i'm like in my business doing work and creating and producing and supporting my clients and coaching and like all of that and the rest of the time i have so much mental space in my own head that i'm able to create so much clarity that The amount of time I spend producing, I'm trying to think of like the best way to say this, is I'm able to produce probably five times as much as I was able to when I was working more hours because I'm so clear on who I help. I'm so clear on how I help them. I'm so clear on how I want to sell to them. And because I'm not overworked, when I sit down to do a chunk of like three hours, like focused work, that is genuinely all I do. And so it's like not working as much actually allows me to get more done. And I know it sounds like I used to hear people say that and be like, uh-huh, sure. But I'm and I used to think to myself, but I'm already really productive. So I don't understand how I could actually get more done. But you you get more of the the things that matter done and the things that don't matter as much, they kind of fall into place. And for me, with when I think about like clients, I just I, don't, I didn't have time for someone that was like potentially super needy or needed all this extra support or was asking for all this extra support. A, a couple of times, I just gave someone their money back and I was like, I, maybe this isn't the best fit for you. If
0: they're not great fits for you, give them their money back and send them on their way to find somebody for whom they are a good fit. So last question here. You've seen your revenue grow. You've seen your hours go down 15 hours a week of production time. A lot of CPAs say that they want to help people and they want to have an impact. How have you seen the impact that you have change and grow over time? How many people do you think you reach?
1: Yeah, so that's so funny. In in the year that I made $300,000, I think I maybe had um, 150 people join that whole year. And I'm well beyond that already this year and we're, you know, not even halfway through. And so I just see that compounding and I I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate this as well is that I struggled in my mind for a while balancing like I really want to serve people and help people and I also want to make a ton of money. Like I want to do both. And I kept being like, one's better than the other. They somehow can't go together. And as a little kid, I used to, my dad at one point, he he used to put this thought in my head of like, you know, there's like people that make a billion dollars. And as a little kid, I used to write out a billion dollars and be like this man. And like, I used to always want to make a billion dollars. I'm like, how many millions is that? And how many thousands? I've always been like a super nerd when it comes to math. And even as a little kid, I remember like a billion dollars and The wealthiest woman in the US, self-made wealthiest woman in the US, like lives about an hour from us. And so I used to be like, hold on. Like, if So I've always been very money focused in like, I want to make a, like, not just a little money, not just a lot of money, but like a doesn't make sense amount of money. And so I've always like had that drive in me. And I also like truly in every cell of my being want to help every single woman that wants this have it because i know what it's like to be in their struggle i know what it's like to be on the other side and so for a while they were at odds with each other and finally i was like hold on i'm pretty sure they go together like let me find a way to make all the money because when i think about making money it it challenges my brain to help more people. And then, when I th- and then when I think about like, how can I help these people in the best possible way and the people I have here? And how can I help the future people? It helps me make more money. Like they go hand in hand. Like they, they, I can't separate them anymore in, in a way that it used to be. And it used to like drive me a little bit crazy. And so now I'm like, no, I, in the next couple of decades, I'm gonna make a billion dollars helping women be naturally thin. And when I say it out loud I'm like I'm pretty sure there's like billions of dollars already going to that so we're just going to reallocate them to doing it the right way and it and, and so I just say that because I don't, I don't know, I used to like really struggle with this, but I like let's make all the money helping all the people.
0: Billions of dollars. We're just gonna reallocate them to doing it the right way. Laura Dixon, this has been so great. If people wanna find out more about you and your work, where can they do that?
1: I have a podcast called Naturally Thin for Life, and my website is lauradixoncoaching.com.
0: This has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, fun blast.
0: Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In down to 40 hours CPA mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.